Rising Champions, a podcast about the mental side of sports, featuring inspirational interviews with young rising athletes about their quest to win their personal championships. Hosted by Dr. Jason Novetsky of Champion Mindset Group, alongside radio personality Kyle Bogie. All right, welcome in to another episode of the Rising Champions podcast. Of course, brought to you by the Champion Mindset Group, Dr. Jason Ovetsky with me, Kyle Bogie. And uh, this is, I, I think, a powerful episode. You know, we have a wonderful interview that we're going to get to with Coach Mike Ott, uh, the head baseball coach of Kalamazoo College. And Doc, I know you know him personally. And of course, you've certainly worked with him professionally as well. And I just think there's such a great message from him in this interview about mental toughness, mental health, and not just being successful on the baseball field, which, you know, your son certainly was able to, you know, get a closer look at playing for him actually at Kalamazoo College, but really it's also about the development and success off the field. You're right, Kyle. And I think you're right. This is probably the most powerful episode we're going to have uh, or have had and might be for a long time is Coach Odd is going to be very transparent uh, with what, he looks for in a baseball player, uh, and then more importantly, as a person on and off the field, um, he's going to talk about the importance of gratitude and how important that aspect has been in his life, um, how he deals with uh, the mental skills on the field for his players, and most importantly, which we'll spend the most time on, is mental health and his mental health and how he sees that, how he sees that as a sign of strength to ask for help. And we need to get away from the stigma of especially male athletes, not that female athletes don't deal with mental health issues uh, in sports, but I certainly believe that there is that stigma of you're considered soft when, you, when you're dealing with some mental health issues as a male athlete and you should just shake it off and, and get on with life. But um, he dealt with it personally from a, a tragedy in his life, which he'll explain and what he encourages his players and the NCAA and his school to be doing to support his student athletes in that regard. I also think it's fascinating to the, um, you know, and this is something that I guess I can relate to being a, an athlete. I'm using quote to air quotation mm -hmm. marks, right. an athlete growing up, but you know, I, I played sports. I don't know if I could call myself an athlete, but the, the win loss mentality, you know, you go home after a win, and you feel great about yourself and your teammates feel awesome and your parents are congratulating you and wow, is this big deal? Whereas a loss, you know, for me, I, I wouldn't talk to anyone. I'd shut everyone out. I would just want to eat and, and be in my thoughts or, or simply go back out, you know, to the basketball court and just be by myself on the court for a couple hours and shoot a few more baskets and just work things out in my head. And, you know, that's something where you basically internalize, you know, everything that you're going through and you don't necessarily deal with it and potentially get over it. And that's something that you're almost told to do. Like, well, why don't you go for a run? Why don't you go, you know, get back to work? Why don't you go practice? And it's like, well, you can, and, and maybe that's your way of coping with it, but are you really dealing with it? Are you really moving on? And for a lot of people, you're probably not. No, you're right, Kyle. And I think you're right. Uh, a lot of people are just told to, you know, shake it off. Like you said, go for a run, work harder. Uh, that's the only way you're going to get better. But, you know, we got to deal with things. Our mind's a tricky thing. And in a way, we're socialized uh, to base our self-worth on our performance. Uh, and Coach talks about that. And, and, and let's think about this logically. I mean, 
even though, you know, the, the sports that you played, I'm sure the first question you were asked by a friend, a parent, a colleague, a former, a teammate, how'd you do? How many hits did you get? How many strikeouts did you have? Uh, how many points did you make? The first question we're asked is about our performance. So that over time, we start to believe that that's all everybody cares about. So then that's all we start caring about. And then when you have a bad performance, that's how you rate yourself. And, and like, you know, you're going to hear coach said and say, and what you said is that's how we determine how we should be feeling and what we should go do. Um, so, you know, I, I personally went through that myself, you know, as a pitcher growing up and as a college athlete, um, everything was based on your stats, your performance. That's what people want to talk about. So we're, we're kind of socializing that way. It's sad. I also really quick here before we get to uh, the interview with with Coach Ott, I I was talking to a, a coworker actually of mine over the weekend, and he was telling me a story about his son. And I, I won't go into who or you know the specifics yeah. or anything, but he was saying that you know his son was in high school and he's a a pretty good basketball player, right? And he went to a camp at a a Big Ten college, you know, Big Ten University, right? This summer camp where there were going to be a bunch of kids there, potential recruits. And maybe you'd get a chance to stand out and talk to them. And that coaching staff from that program ended up pulling his son aside and, and telling him, you know, you really worked hard today. You were great. Um, you know, we, we just want to, you know, be upfront with you because we've communicated with you. We don't think that you're a, a big 10 athlete. You know, we, we just, you know, we, we feel that you would be more better suited to go to the Mac level, you know, just a little bit lower and, you know, you would have a chance to play more and get a great education. Sure. And the response from his son was, well, that, man, that's deflating. You know, I'm not going to live my dream of playing in the big 10. You know, it's going to be, whereas, you know, dad is sitting there going, are you kidding? You, you just had a great, you know, coaching staff and an unbelievable program tell you you're a division one college athlete, you know, that, that you can play, you know, at an unbelievable level, maybe not the level you wanted, but you know, at, at a different level. And it's just, so a lot of it, tr you know, truly too, is how you respond to, you know, certain, I, I guess, critiques or, or comments about what you're doing and, you know, taking sometimes you want to take the, the negative, but really there's positives that will come out of that. And I guess in time, sometimes you really learn what those are. Yeah. I mean, that's just a maturation process as well, you know, for that young man, but let's look at it from his point of view. What does he see on TV? What does he see in the media? He sees the big yeah. 10, he sees the SEC, yeah. um, you know, nothing against our Mac colleagues, but <laughs> it's honestly not the same from a young man's point of view or a young woman's point of view about where you want to play. So I certainly understand that. But as you mature, you start to realize that it's not all about that. Um, and, and you can certainly be successful at all different levels. Well, look, we appreciate you guys listening. Of course, continue to download, share, subscribe, rate uh, the Rising Champions podcast, whatever platform uh, you may listen to it on. And, you know, certainly if you are a student athlete, somebody who, you know, feels like maybe you're, you're struggling a little bit with the mental game or you just want to try and hone in, have some more focus, you know, what Dr. Novetsky is doing at the Champion Mindset Group really is unbelievable. So, you know, please look him up, give him a call. Uh, send him an email, whatever it may be, uh, because I, I think, Doc, I think you're doing unbelievable work. And, you know, Thank certainly you. these conversations have been very rewarding, I think, for both of us. Appreciate it. Awesome. Without further ado, let's get to uh, Coach Mike Ott, head uh, baseball coach at Kalamazoo College. Well, as Doc and I just discussed uh, in the opening segment, really looking forward to this interview with, uh, can I just call you Coach? Uh, you know, Mike Ott, obviously the head baseball coach 
uh, of Kalamazoo College. And, uh, you know, this is going to be, I, I think, an interview that spans a lot of different things. Of course, we'll talk about the, the growth of the program and everything that has transpired with that, you building it into, you know, a very successful program. But, you know, obviously, this is a very deeply personal interview. So I, I guess with that, you know, one, very happy to have you on here, Coach. And, and Doc, I, I would certainly leave it to you to kind of, you know, kick things off here and get it going. Okay. Well, I think the first thing I want to just bring up is, is ask Coach about how he handled the uh, the COVID situation. You know, I talked to a couple of your players uh, after everything got shut down. I know you guys were on a good start. And uh, so I'm just curious how all that went for you, Coach. Yeah, a little crazy. You both can call me Mike too, by the way. Okay. <laughs> when now my players are calling me coach, but uh, you know, the big, th the biggest thing was trying to be as transparent as I could be with our guys. Uh, we did get off to a great start. I thought we had a great group. Uh, we started five and two, went three and one on a trip to Los Angeles. Anytime you go on a road trip, you obviously uh, want to be successful, especially when you go across the country, but it was kind of something uh, obviously slowly in the midst of, uh, you know, society and it was kind of growing and, you know, first it was the NBA, then it was conference tournaments for the NCAA tournament and March Madness. Uh, and we actually were in a scrimmage on our field when word came down. Uh, I actually got called back to the office to have a meeting with the AD with all the spring sports um, head coaches and came back, talked to our assistant coaches and said, you know, what do we want to do? Do we want to wait till after the scrimmage? Uh, do we want to let these kids find out via Twitter or text? And I just said, I wasn't comfortable doing that. So we had a discussion. Do you guys want to end this right here? I mean, pretty much the season's over. It was March 12th. Wow. And our guys said, Hey, we want to, we want to, if this is going to be it, we want to practice one more time. So we finished our scrimmage. Uh, obviously there still was some hope that maybe there could be some resolution to have a season or to figure it out. And obviously today we know that wasn't possible. So it was very hard on a multitude of uh, fronts, obviously with a really good team, but the bigger concern, you know, we had four seniors who were negatively impacted and who lost their season. Uh, a really great group that we were really looking forward to, uh, very young, um, that I thought was going to take a major step for our program this year. But, you know, the bigger concern, I think, at the forefront was making sure our kids were healthy, uh, making sure that everybody was getting the information uh, they needed to get into places where they could feel safe and make sure they weren't being exposed. So, you know, on a grander scale, I think after about 24 to 48 hours, it wasn't really a mourning process anymore because it was a nationwide and a worldwide pandemic. So yeah. just kind of something we had to deal with. And I think that's one of the things we try to give our kids. And I've been certainly better about that in my life is there are things you control and there's things you can't and we couldn't. Right. So yeah. uh, the only thing was to do was to focus on what we could control. And that was trying to make sure our guys were all right. And then at a personal level, make sure my son was okay and my family was okay. And, uh, you know, move through it that way and I think it's gone pretty well you know now it's a little bit more of an itch like hey I miss my I miss my kids I miss coaching but uh you know it's, it's a process that everybody went through okay well it sounds like you handled it as well as you could be uh in that situation we talked to a lot of players a lot of coaches about that and uh it was a tough situation for everybody I work with a lot of athletes now that missed out on their senior season and are still trying to get recruited and things. So it's a, it's a pretty big mess, but like you said, we got to control what we can. I mean, that's a running theme on the show as Kyle and I talk about it all the time. Um, 
Obviously, we've talked about how successful your program has become. Uh, you know, full disclosure, everybody, my son played for Coach Ott and had an, an amazing experience. And I got to watch that for four years and had a great time doing that. So I, I saw this guy firsthand uh, deal with lots of different things, adversity, uh, coaching under pressure, and, you know, really developing young men uh, on the baseball field. So, Coach, one of the themes of our show is, is what we call rising champions. And we really focus on the mental development and mental skills of these young athletes as they move forward in their life. So from that point of view, I'm always curious from, from hearing from coaches, what are you looking for when you recruit from the mental and character side, in addition to obviously the physical skills that you need to play at your level? Well, I'm a big guy on gratitude. And I think that's been a big thing and a focal point for our program where kids not only are grateful for the things that obviously they get and they're given, but they're also wanting to give back more. Uh, and I think when you give more, you get back more. We're looking for kids who are very self-aware. I think self-awareness and coachability have been really two crucial elements that we look for in kids, guys who want to improve. I think everybody wants to get better, but there are some kids who obviously are less aware of their situation or their strengths and weaknesses. Um, you know, I, one of the big things that on visits is just the ability to make eye contact. You, you know, you think it's just a common, you know, fact that most people can do, but it's something that just goes a long ways with me, the ability to be genuine and to be honest. Uh, but, you know, I, we're looking for kids really who want to make an impact. I think at the end of the day, I want kids who are going to come here because typically you can find any old baseball player who's pretty talented, but the ones who want to make a difference and be a better teammate. And when we're out recruiting, it's that's what we're looking for. The kids who are good teammates, who have great body language from a mental toughness standpoint and from a mental skill standpoint, I would rather go watch a kid fail in a game and see how they deal with it than a kid who goes four for four. Cause every kid goes four for four and everybody's feel feels good and smiles. But I mean, just the other day we went and watched one of our top recruits and he went three innings and gave up six runs and he had zero issue with composure. He was awesome on the mound. He showed no bad body language. And to me, that's a kid who not only will be able to be uh, worked with and coached, but who's going to be able to handle the ups and downs of collegiate athletics. And just, just like everybody says, you know, sports is the forefront of what life is and it's a great teaching tool. And I think the ones who can deal with adversity are the ones who we've had the most success with. So, uh, you know, every kid, no, I don't want any kid to fail when I go watch them, but to me that says a lot. And I think from the way they treat their parents on visits to the way they communicate and can be on time and, can handle obviously the accountability of kind of growing into an adult. Those are the things that we look for. That's amazing. Yeah. And that's what we're preaching all the time on this podcast. And obviously what we're, we're teaching in the classroom with the kids and here in my office. And I think a follow-up to that coach would be is, you know, once you then get them on campus uh, and, you know, obviously I was there and thank you for promoting that, that I worked with the team, but you know, you guys are there day in and day out. So, you know, if I'm a player listening, what would I expect from you and your staff on teaching me more about those mental skills, about how to be more prepared, you know, before and during games, uh, before a pitch, uh, defense and offense, and how to stay focused and, and like you said, recover from adversity. Those are skills that I, I believe can be taught. Yeah, and I agree with that. And I think we have tried to implement that more and more each year into the into our program. I think, you know, nine years ago, one of the biggest things uh, in college athletics was the use of athletic training and concussion testing and all that. Then it kind of transitioned into nutrition. 
which is obviously still an important thing. And I think the growing field of uh, sports psychology and the ability to understand how to deal with adversity and the mental toughness and teaching those skills is something that I, I know myself I, I don't feel uh, at the level where I would say I'm comfortable doing it by myself. Uh, and I think that's been something that we've been able to utilize. So Jason, like yourself, we've had other people come in do strength and weaknesses tests, head sports psychologists talk. But from, I think from a standpoint of our program, uh, I think we do a lot that's more individualized. So, you know, we have team meetings just like everybody else, but a lot of it, uh, you know, it's kind of taking the model from Vanderbilt. We have a classroom type setting where, yeah, we do skill-based things in there, but we're talking about gratitude or the ability to shake hands. I you know one of the first meetings I have is I stand outside the door and I wait and I shake hands with every person that walks in. Now, I'm not a big person who shakes hands. I hug. Anybody in my program knows it, especially the freshmen. They get really weird out, but um, <laughs> that's, that's a big thing for me. But I shake hands and you know, 75% of them will shake your hand and look you right in the eye. And then about 25% who don't. And we bring that up. And I just think those life lessons are important. But uh, I think the bigger thing in teaching these skills is to be as individualized as you can and to build relationships. I don't think kids can establish a relationship where they really trust you unless they know who you are. And so uh, we're on the quarter system at K. Uh, so two to three times a quarter, I meet with every single player individually for you know, 15 to 30 minutes. And a lot of that is what's going on in your life, what's going on off the field, because until you really realize what's going off the field, and I'm living proof of that, you don't really, you can't really get to what's going on on the field. Um, I think we, our coaching staff, our players do a really good job of building relationships. So guys feel comfortable when they need help. And I think that's one of the biggest things, especially for male sport and male athletes between 18 and 22. Uh, if you need help, you ask for it. And when you get here, I think there's a really good support system, both academically, uh, emotionally, physically, uh, baseball wise, that these kids feel like they're supported. And I think when you do that, you get to know each kid and what's going to work with them because what works for player A is not going to work for player B, uh, especially in the aspect of dealing with adversity and building confidence. And, you know, from a confidence standpoint, I think it's one of the most undertaught things of mm -hmm. how to deal with when your confidence gets shaken. And I think it's really hard to build confidence without establishing the, that relationship. And I think that's one thing that has been very focal to me is that personal relationship uh, we try to really instill with our kids. But I mean, we do the, the standard things. I mean, we'll read books, uh, mm -hmm. you know, from uh, legacy to the mental ABCs of baseball. I mean, there's a ton of things that we do that either deal with the sport or don't deal with the sport. We do video study all the time. So it's a, you know, a, a baseball IQ cognitive idea of what we're doing in game, but also, you know, the skills of just standing that uh, being okay with asking for help or being okay, admitting when you're wrong. And I think that is where I try to be at least a, an example that if I do something wrong, I got no problem telling you I do it wrong. And I think the more we provide that for, especially for young males, it gives them an opportunity to realize, oh, I can fail, not feel judged, which obviously doesn't ding their confidence, but it allows them to go through that process of failing and still feeling backed up and supported. Yeah, and I can attest to that. I mean, I've watched you coach for four years, and you certainly do admit when you're wrong, and you keep your players <laughs> <laughs> and you keep your players accountable for when they're wrong as well. And, and but you also support them on the back end of that. So I think that's uh, you know what more coaches uh, with this generation of athletes definitely needs to do. Well, I appreciate that. 
Have you noticed too, uh, you know, Mike, that it's, it's difficult almost to, you know, manage, I guess, how it's, it's constantly changing. I mean, Doc and I have talked about, you know, how each generation, it just seems to, you know, kind of evolve and you have to really hone in on, you know, how things are changing and each individual player is obviously going to respond to each situation, you know, very differently. I guess, how much does that change, I suppose, over, you know, or throughout your, your coaching career? I don't like to think of myself as an older coach, but you know, I'm starting to get into my uh, early forties here. And I, I, I used to feel <laughs> like, Oh, I, I used, to, it wasn't that long ago that I coached and now or I played and it's been about 20 years. So, um, you know, it does evolve. I think uh, one of the biggest strong points we have in our program right now is I have two really young coaches. They're my two full-time coaches. They're 23. Uh, actually, they just turned 24. Um, but having that voice allows us some unique ability to still connect and understand what's going on at their level and to notice what's changed and what hasn't changed because we're not doing the same thing we did five years ago, let alone nine years ago. Uh, and I think that really helps, but I, I think the biggest thing is trying to stem off. And I know everybody wants to insult millennials in this, this, uh, age of entitlement and, and, you know, constant information. But to me, that's actually a good thing. They want information. They are more, they, they are wanting to know why they're doing things more than just being told to do it. And actually that, I mean, I'm the most inquisitive person. I probably know I ask way more questions than I probably should. But uh, to me, that actually, that, that helps us to coach kids to understand what they're doing. So uh, it has changed. Uh, do I feel like, I, I know exactly what I'm doing every day. No, but I think that's why we have the people around us and we've been successful in building those relationships because of our assistant coaches and because of and building leaders in our program where we have good voices and good accountability that if something we do is not connecting with the group, our captains or our leadership council or our assistant coaches have no problem coming to me and saying, hey, we really need to do this or this better. And I, you know, using Jason, when Drew, his son graduated, there's always exit interviews and saying, Hey, how was your experience? What do we need to do better? Cause I'm under no misconceived perception that everything we do is perfect. And I think the ability to understand that you need to evolve and change allows your program to continue to be successful and allows you continue to make impacts on kids because kids are going to continue to change. Yeah. I mean, again, I witnessed that firsthand and, and my son had nothing but great things to say about his experience there. Um, and coach, you alluded to it earlier, and, and this is what I wanted to get into with you today. And it's uh, definitely on a more of a personal level. You mentioned the fact that, you know, kids can get help, uh, there's support for them. You had to experience that. And if you wouldn't mind telling us about, you know, the situation and, and the things you went through uh, a couple years ago and probably what you're still going through every day is a battle uh, about your experiences with the mental side uh, of life. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've been kind of open about this. I wasn't for a long time. Uh, mm -hmm. When I was in 2000, eight, seven, six, in 2006, I lost my best friend in a plane crash. He got married on a Saturday. The plane crash was Sunday morning. He was on his way for us honeymoon. Uh, it's Comair 5191. And we had played professional baseball together. So he kind of was the story of the uh, crash and um, name was John Hooker. He was very impactful in my life. And at that point, I think my life really shifted because up until that time, my entire uh, basic viewpoint of myself was I was a baseball player. Uh, that's it. And if I would go one inning and give up four runs, I would be rocking in the corner of a dark closet and if I went eight, I'd walk around with my chest out and want to let everybody know. And I think that ego and focus on myself 
really led me down a dark path. So once that happened, that's kind of, I brought up the fact that I was a hugger, kind of changed my perspective on relationships and uh, everybody goes through that at some point. But over the years, I became much more attached to when I, when I transitioned from playing to coaching, I became attached to what my win loss record was. Um, if I was winning, I was a better person. If I was losing, I was this awful coach and people thought horribly of me. Um, and I could separate the two in like, if I, one of my friends is a football coach and they lost the game. I never thought it was, he was a bad coach or person, but for me, it was an individual attack on myself. So what began to happen is I was wearing a mask and I think everybody wears masks. You wear a mask at work or I have a dad mask. I have a friend mask and what was becoming, I had no personal mask. I had no, per I had no person behind my mask. So what I was telling kids I wasn't doing, and I was just falling apart. My viewpoint on myself, we would lose a game. I mean, I remember coming to Kalamazoo and we went 10 and 30 in my first season. And it was the first time I really had a losing season. And I was up all night. I mean, I probably lost 25 pounds. It was just a, uh, a really tough time because I thought it was my own fault. And, um, you know, I'd struggled with depression and being up and down, you know, things were great. I was great. Things were down. I was really down. And, uh, two years ago in the summer, I kind of had a break, um, where I couldn't do anything. I remember going to my parents, uh, it was actually around, it was actually this time because my birthday's tomorrow it was actually, uh, on my 39th birthday. Um, I was laying in bed and did not want to get out. It was the first time. And I finally said to my parents, I need help. And I'd never said that because, you know, as collegiate athletics, as college athletic athletes or young males, just in our society, you're, you, Hey, you're tough. You got to get through this. Uh, and I finally got help and I was actually, i went into a program at Pine rest, which is a mental health, uh, uh, organization in West Michigan. And I did kind of a, not a full blown admittance, but I did like a day program for about two weeks and really came to grips with, I was a much, uh, bigger individual than what my accomplishments were, or what my job was. And the viewpoint that I had upon myself was just so one-sided. It was completely deteriorating my life. I mean, it, uh, you know, it was making me a worse coach. It was making me a worse dad. It was making me a worse friend. So over the last two years, I mean, I, I, I don't like to ever, I mean, I'm in a phenomenal spot today compared to where I was two years ago. And I think the first step is obviously going, getting help. And then mm -hmm. from there it was, being as transparent as I physically could be with my program and my kids, because, um, I know I wasn't the only college athlete or pro athlete or college coach who goes through this. And I don't think there's a lot of people who are willing to say I need help or I needed help. And this is what I went through. So I remember my first team meeting, it was an hour on mental health. It was not about baseball. It was me telling my personal story from, where, where I grew up, how I grew up, how I viewed myself, how I judged myself, um, John Hooker's death and kind of the transition. And the next day I had seven kids in my office at various points, like I need help. Mm -hmm. And I think that was wow. the big, that, to me, that's probably the most impactful thing in my coaching career. I've sure. had, and I'm very open about it and there's kids. And I think one of the biggest things at this age is they need to realize it's not just them. They need to realize there's nothing wrong with them. Uh, it's a byproduct. It's a thing that's been going on. And I think fortunately it's become a much bigger uh, platform for people to speak about and for people to go through because as much as you want to judge a kid athletically, unless you know what's going on in their life, what's going on in their day-to-day -day struggles, what's going on in their own head, you're never going to get 
the best out of them as a person, as a player. Uh, and to me, yeah, I want you to have a great four years. The bigger thing is I want to have a relationship with you for the next 40. And to be able to be successful, you need to be in a good spot. And I think, uh, you know, I've been, I've, I've tried to utilize my platform and I use that very word. I, you know, I'm not LeBron James or Nick Saban, but I do have a platform with the kids I do touch and making sure that they know, Hey, you can go through this. You can get help. Um, it's something that people go through. And I think it's something that obviously needs to be discussed more openly um, as opposed to it being this thing that you shun off in the corner and Oh, poor me, because for a long time, I didn't want to admit anything was wrong because if I did, you know, I was the weaker male and I don't, I, to be honest with you, one of the things I got is I was stronger because I actually took it on and asked for help than I would have been if I did have tried to do it by myself, which I just wasn't capable of doing. And it has yeah. completely reshaped my life. I have more gratitude for each day. Uh, I think I'm a better coach. I think I'm a better person. I'm certainly a better dad. Um, so I think all of those things have provided a lot of perspective that hopefully we are, we're able to bring to our program to obviously continue to mold our kids. Cause when we recruit kids, we try to tell them, Hey, I'm going to make you the best baseball player I physically can. More importantly, I'm going to try to make you the best man I can. And I think that's yeah. a big part and having them become better husbands, fathers, brothers, friends, and for the rest of their life. Wow. I mean, coach, I, I can't thank you enough for you know, what you did for those boys and what you continue to do for them and the courage that it took to, to come out with that. Uh, I remember when you sent the email, I remember when you talked to the kids and I just said, wow, what a, what a great man, what a great guy, what an amazing coach and person to be upfront about it and be honest and be transparent, like you said. And I wish more coaches would, would talk about these important issues. And, and with that in mind, I'm just curious, you know, you know, just to kind of close out here a little bit is what do you think the NCAA or colleges can do even better? Cause I know it's, it's happening, but I just don't think we're doing enough. What's your opinion on that? Cause you're in the front lines every day. I don't think they are either. Uh, and I think a lot of that is just a resource base. You know, if you look at what concussions were 10 years ago, excuse me, versus what concussions are today, it's just a difference in opinion and resources and time that was put into it. Uh, I think that it is getting better. I think one of the biggest things obviously is the realization that it's a real thing. I mean, for a long time, you know, if a kid came in and said he was down, they'd just be like, oh, well, yeah. you know, put yeah. some dirt on it and you're fine. Or they mm -hmm. just get rid of you. And I think one of the big things is just the ability, you know, having counseling, having counselors in a counseling department on your college. I know we have it on campus and our guys have used it. It's huge for our play, for players to utilize. Uh, I'm a big proponent and I say this, I mean, my kid's 11 and I, he actually talks to somebody every once in a while because it's always good to have somebody to talk to outside of your mom and dad. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's very important to have somebody to talk to. It could be a friend, it could be a family member, but just somebody you trust. Uh, and being able to have those resources and I'm hoping, and it sounds like the NCAA is obviously more aware of that. Unfortunately, you know, up until COVID, mental health was the big deal. It was the thing that people were pushing and then COVID happens and now everything. I'm hoping that once this pandemic is dealt with and we can get past this and everybody's healthy and safe, that it can go back to and maintain its position on the forefront because it is something that is very real. I mean, I think yeah. with the pressures of social media and, um, you know, providing the right image of, uh, you know, I, I got I to tweet out that I'm recruiting to so-and-so school or everybody thinks I'm worthless. Well, the, the bigger thing is you got to find the right fit. And I just think the big thing that you need to do is to be able to have the resources for people to, when they need help, they can get it. And as much as I've gone through, 
what I've gone through. I'm by no means a, um, an expert. I just think I'm an avenue to help kids to realize, oh, I can get help and to, you know, try to formulate a plan to where they go maybe off campus or on campus. And I think the more willing that people are to be open to it, the more ability that kids have to feel safe to go to somebody and ask for help. Because at the end of the day, if they don't have, if they don't feel safe, kids aren't getting help. And unfortunately with the suicide rates and the increasing amounts of people who are depressed, um, and not dealing with it. It's just a, it's its own pandemic. Yeah. Obviously I choose that word lightly, but it's its yeah. own thing that is, that needs to really be dealt with. And I think the more people who talk about it, like you guys, like myself and my own team, I know a lot of other coaches are as well. Um, the more open to it, obviously the better we're going to be. And I think we will. I think, you know, the pandemic has also brought out a lack of resources in mental health and social emotional learning in schools and in colleges and, and it, but it has to trickle out to the athletes as well. So, Kyle. yeah, and I think it, the, the big thing, obviously, is changing this. It, it's breaking the stigma just because yeah. you're a college athlete, just because you're 20. I mean, I don't care whether you're 20 or 35 uh, or 55. I mean, everybody should be, feel, be able to get help if they need it. Yeah. Oh, and it's amazing to society. We're, we're such a, a communication based society, you know, as far as cell phones and texts and emails and social media and all that. But when it comes to person to person and sharing things, I feel like we're not where we used to be, you know, where it's just, it's not the same, the, the, the interpersonal, you know, interaction that we had before. Just yeah. And, any, and anybody who knew me before I was, I was attached to my phone. Now I was always texting recruits or I was working now, uh, I try not to have, like, I just got back from a camping trip with my son. It was the best thing ever just detach and get away, be with the people I love. Uh, and I think the more you do that, obviously the more enhancement your relationship is, but also that there is so much pressure with, I used to tweet seven times a day because I was worried about what recruit a or coach B would think. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And I think I was positioning myself in a more negative position as opposed to, Hey, you got to break free of that. There's certain people in your life that obviously you value and you need to take that seriously. And I think the, the more you concern yourself with who you are, not what you're doing or where you're at, the better you're going to be in the long run. Hmm. Well, coach, well said. Yeah, yeah, we can't thank you enough for, for sharing that story and your thoughts and ideas about the mental game as well. It's been a real honor and a pleasure to have you on and it's great to see you and uh, look forward to talking to you some more in the future. Thanks guys. I really appreciate all you're doing and I appreciate the opportunity. Great. Great chatting you with Mike. Thanks you too. Thank you for listening to the rising champions podcast. Please subscribe and join us again next week for another episode.